Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from Paul's letters to the Thessalonians. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Good morning, again, <laughs> again. Oh, it's good to see everyone. I was kind of wondering if uh, when Laura made that announcement this morning, if she said Calvary Chapel or Calorie Chapel. With all the fellowship going on around here, it's wonderful though. If you have your Bibles, turn in them to the book of First Thessalonians. And if you need a Bible, raise your hands and the ushers will bring you a Bible. We're continuing our study through the letter that Paul had written, his earliest letter, to the church in Thessalonica. And um, wonderful words we have before us. We'll be picking up our study in verse 13. So once you get there, uh, let's stand together and we'll read our text this morning before we jump into it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul writing in verse 13 says these words, he says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, uh, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as word uh, the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea and Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things of our own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. And they do not please God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren... Having been taken away uh, from you for a, for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore we want to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming for you are our glory and joy. And so, Lord, once again, we're grateful that you've given us your word. We're so thankful that we can camp upon it, build our lives upon it. And so even this morning, would you make room or help us to make room in, your, in our hearts to receive it. And may you be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So as I'm mentioning, Paul's writing to this church that has been persecuted simply for the fact that they've come to faith in Christ. They're making a stance. You know, they've come or separated from that life that they once lived and now they're, they're new lives. And there's, it's evident to the people around them. It's evident to their family and friends. It's evident to the people they work with. It's evident something has changed in their lives and it's because of Jesus Christ. So couple of things that we're just going to look at this morning, beginning in verse 13, is you have to see that this church is coming in this place of persecution, but how do they overcome that? 
How do they overcome the persecution? How do they overcome the trials in life? And I think this goes for, really for anything, whether it's persecution from the outside or persecution from within or whatever, whatever kind of trials are there, whatever kind of trials you may be going through this morning, this should apply very easily to our lives. So look at verse 13 as Paul begins, he says, or as he continues and we begin. He says, for this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Paul was away from them for, for some time and he was writing or getting report back from uh, the leaders in the church, hearing the good news that the, the, the people, the young church of Thessalonica, they've been weathering the storm. They not only heard the word of God, but they've been weathering the storms that have been taking place there with all the persecution that was going on. They, they heard the word and Paul was rejoicing over that, but they were still uh, they were still in the Word. They weren't just one time, one and done. They were, they, they were still trusting in God, even in the midst of the persecution that was taking place. And Paul is getting this report from them, and it's kind of encouraging to him. You know, in the midst of everything, they still are being faithful, and that's the report coming back. You know, when uh, 9-11 hit, Pastor Daniel from Calvary, Vancouver, was in Washington, D.C., he couldn't be around the body, so I was there. I was on staff as we had started this church. And uh, he had called me and he says, hey, how's the body doing? How's everything going on? What's the atmosphere? I mean, he was actually in D.C. at the time. And so he would call back and he couldn't get back to the body, couldn't be with them. And so he's contacting me. How is everything going on? What's, what's the report? And it's kind of like Paul here, you know, being away from them for such a long time, having this this genuine relationship with them. But he comes to this place of, well, I want to hear how they're doing. I know they're being persecuted. In verse 6 of chapter 1, it says that they received the word of much affliction. So they're going through difficult times. And he's not there to, to you know, be with them. He's not there to, uh, to kind of share with what's going on and build them up. But the news is so cool because God, uh, Paul is hearing that they're doing well. That's always a good sign, isn't it? Doesn't it bring much joy to you when, not when your children are going through a hard time, but when they're going through a hard time and they're seeking the Lord. They've got their hands on the Lord. They're looking at Jesus and they're saying, no matter what goes on around me, I'm clinging on to the Lord. And that, that brings me great joy. When I see my children now uh, raising their own children and they're married, and sometimes that life isn't so easy for them, they're finding out. But the testimony that comes back to just say, you know what, we're just trusting God. And that should bring us all much joy, that our children... Remember, I started off with, I think it's uh, Third John says that, that um, how, what a joy it is to see our children walking in truth. And uh, what a joy that is, to know that, to understand that. And so here's this young church, and they're, they're able to overcome the opposition because they received the word. Again, in verse 13, it says, For this reason we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us. Now here's the message that they heard. They didn't hear, hear this, there's a champion, champion in you. That's not the word they were hearing. They weren't hearing that it's okay, everything's going to be okay, because nothing, you know, they were, the word that they were hearing was this, Jesus Christ died for your sins, he suffered for you. He's the only way to heaven, and they heard that word, and they trusted in him for salvation. It was a very simple thing. I mean, simple, the, 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 the uh, message. 
And it was that everything that they had heard had to do with Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That was the message. That was the message that they received. That was the message that was consistent with the early church. That, was the, that is the message that should be consistent with the church today. That Jesus is the only way. That Jesus is the truth. And, and that nobody other than Jesus, are you going to be able to go to heaven? It's only through Him. That's the message that they're hearing. It's not a feel-good series on something, how to make you a millionaire, or how to make you this or that. It's, it's simply the one who died and gave himself and suffered on their behalf and on our behalf. But not only did they hear it, what's interesting is, yes, they heard it, but it says in verse 13, look what it says, they welcomed it. They welcomed it. It says, you welcomed it. Not as the word of men, but as the, word of the, but as the truth, the word of God which so effectively works in you believe. You see, they welcomed the Word of God. They heard it, and it was eager because they, they were sinners. They were pagan worshipers. They were out there doing things they, they shouldn't, they weren't created to do, trying to fill every void within their heart, that God-shaped void within their heart, with whatever it might be. And all of a sudden they hear this, Jesus Christ died for you, He suffered for you, and that if you repent of your sins, He'll take you. And you come and belong to Him, and you'll have the forgiveness of sin. You'll have you know, everlasting life. And they're hearing this, they're going, wow, this is incredible. Here I am, I'm a pagan worshiper, I'm doing no good for the most of my life, and, and all they've been listening to is men, the promise of men, right? All these guys, these supposed deities, or they got, well, if that God's not working out for you, we got another God over here, try this God. You know, hey, if that one doesn't work, well, it's just, here's one we haven't used for a while, we'll try this God. And so there's all these Greek mythologies or Greek figures of, of, of deity that they're out there, but none of them had ever lived up to the promises. You think of like our modern day politicians. I mean, no, in all honesty, I mean, just, but listen, you, you get up there and you say, you know, I was born in 1960 and I've been hearing this same old song and dance for a long time, and it doesn't matter whether you blue or red or you're in between. That I'm hearing this thing, this is our promise, this is our promise, this is our promise, and I'm tired of it. And, and it's not because they, it's just that the only one that can make the change is Jesus Christ. You know, we need to put him back in the schools. We need to put him back in the, in, 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 in the, the public setting. But see, they had heard it from men their whole life and let down by promises. And you may be here this morning having been let down by men. I get that. I've let down people. And I don't mean to. But Jesus Christ will never let you down. He is faithful. And he is the same yesterday as he is today as he will be tomorrow. And he comes there and they're, they're hearing this message that you got to be kidding me. This God loves me the way I am? Yeah. And he loves you so much that he's not going to keep you the same. He's going to change you. You come into your life and he's coming into that life with him. He's going to change you. So when they heard the word of God, they heard the gospel message, they heard it, they grasped onto it. But not only did they grasp onto it, they let it seep deep into their hearts. Deep into the bowels of their hearts so that they, they would take uh, change to the root of their very lives. There's one thing of being saved, right? We want to be saved. But they received the word. They welcomed it. If he's got salvation for me, just think of what else he's got. Can you imagine that? That he would forgive us of our sins? Now, depending on how we, just like the church of Thessalonica or any church in, in our community or around the world for that matter, Depending on how we receive the Word of God will we'll determine our outlook on life. How we, how, how we receive the Word of God. See, 
not only will it determine our outlook on life, but it's going to determine how we go through troubled times. The trials. This church of Thessalonians, of Thessalonica, is they're, they're facing these times. And the report is, you know what? They're not so concerned with the troubles because they have a clear picture of Jesus Christ. They have a, a clear picture of the one who saved them. See, when they received the word, they received it as God said it to them. It was God-inspired that settled it. Nowadays, there's too many debates going on about God's word. We have these, you know, theologians that think, well, that was for God's time. You know, and, and then they want the, all the churches sing Kumbaya with everybody else that's out there that, you know, because they have a bulletin and they have a web page and they're 501c3, they may not be heaven bound because they're not sticking to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to the word of God. And so he says they received it as such. The Thessalonians weren't bothered so much of their trials because what they had was the word of God in their lives. They didn't look at, I've got a different, I got a different outlook nowadays. And so they accepted the word of God. And now it wasn't like, you know, uh, wow, I wonder what the, the economy's like. Or I wonder how, when it's going to collapse. Or I wonder what's going to happen. They, they had a different biblical worldview now. They didn't have a humanistic worldview. Their whole world changed. You see, when I got saved, I had a very carnal lifestyle. You guys know that. I'm not afraid to share it. I voted with my pocketbook. When I came to, and I didn't care what was underneath the, the, the scenes, as long as they promised me money and wealth, I went after I voted for them. That's what, I mean, right? I'm just being honest. When I came to Christ, the Lord began to show me, you're voting for things, you're allowing your politicians to get away things that are biblically, that are not for vote. I've settled them in the courts of heaven. So I had to change my perspective. Now I've got a biblical perspective instead of a humanistic perspective. You see, they saw things through the light of Scripture now as God says it would be. You see, we look sometimes and we're so disturbed because we look at CS, uh, CBN or C, uh, TBN even, or MSNBC. We'll look at these things and we'll get so disturbed at the news out there. But all I do is say, Hallelujah. Because when I see the news out there, I say, isn't that God's prophecies coming right into place? I mean, they're just telling you. They're speaking forth prophecy almost, you know, from these secular uh, uh, news agencies. But what's interesting is, see, when we look upon the, this church of Thessalonica, they stood upon the word of God and they didn't care so much about the opposition they were facing because they were far more concerned with um, what they were safe from. And what God was changing them into. You see, that's, that was a bigger difference. The bigger change, or the bigger things that, that come out of my life was not so much, I, you know, the world's not changing. You look at it, and you, you know, I came to the Lord. I, the world didn't change, but I had to change. And I did change, and you are changing because the Word of God is in you. Look at what it says again. You welcomed it. It's not so important that we just don't receive the Word and get it and hear it but that we welcome it. See, they saw the change that it brought to their lives. Some people stop at the point of salvation. You know, and I repeat this, I, you know, quite a bit, but before I received the word, I was bankrupt in every which way, right? Maritally, financially, all that stuff. You guys have heard the stories. And once I came to Jesus, I welcomed his word. I needed the change in my life. I think in the church of Thessalonica here, 
They knew they needed a change. All they were filled was with pagan ways of doing things. And they, they welcomed a change. He saved me. I remember the days, clear today as it was the day I was saved, that when I got saved, I went down and I said, you're going to forgive me of all of my sins. You can have my life. You want my life? It's yours. Change it. Because I'm coming in here, I met, I met Jesus at the cross, so to speak, with a busted up, bankrupt life. There was nothing there for me to put together. But by the Word of God, as the Word of God comes into our lives and you welcome it into your lives, don't be afraid, but He's going to bring some change. He wants to bring change to your lives, and that's what's happening to the church of Thessalonica. They welcomed His Word, and they allowed it to penetrate the deep parts of their lives that bring change. Listen, God saved my marriage. He showed me how to be a better steward financially. He showed me that it had nothing to do with the change of the world around me. It was my change. We're pretty good about this. Only if they, only if she, only if he, right, would change. We have this big old plank syndrome. You know, we're walking around just knocking people over. I wish the world would change. Why why doesn't your perspective of the world change? It's evil. But you get that word of God in you. These guys, their lives are being changed by the word of God. They welcomed it. They welcomed that change. See, they received the word of God as it was from the Lord. Do you know that God has this word and he's breathed, he's inspired it? Not just unto salvation, but that we would receive it from day by day, that daily we come into our lives, that it would change us. That he wants to change us. We have nothing good in and of ourselves, but when we come to Christ, he doesn't want to leave us that way. He wants to do a work in us, and he gives us his word by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just incredible the change that he can bring. See, they received the word, not as from men, but from the Lord. And see, if we're not receiving the word of God in truth, or if we haven't, or if we're refusing to receive the word of God in our lives to work effectively, then what we're doing is we're putting our trust in somebody else or something else. What are we looking to get change from? I mean, I, I remember, you guys know the story, I've talked to many of you about when I came to Christ, I had a major league anger problem. I mean, that was major league volatile. And it scared me so bad that I had to get God's Word and start memorizing Scripture that deals with anger until the Word of God finally put it to death by the Spirit of God. And finally, I said, Lord, free me of this. I'm done with it. And so there's change that constantly goes on in our lives by the Word of God. It's that sword. It's that scalpel that goes... And we got to want to change. If we ask ourselves, are we happy with where we're at? Are we happy with our hearts? And then we, we go along with that and we say, well, am I, am I happy with the way, am I receiving the word of God? Am I allowing God's word to change my life? That's what these Thessalon- uh, church of Thessalonica was all about, the Thessalonians. They were allowing God's word to change them. I'll tell you this. I'd say we have a much better chance of stopping shootings in schools and shopping malls not by making sweeping gun changes to our, our country, but rather if we make bringing the Bible back into the schools and bringing prayer back into the schools. See, that's what we need. We kick God out and then we want, we want goodness to come out of it. You know, we kick God out of everything and we expect goodness to come. You know, many today will call the Bible hate speech. It's hate speech. They think, well, because you won't let me get away with my sin or my lifestyle. No, you can get away with it. 
while you're here on earth. But I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough to tell you the truth. And, and so forth, the word goes forth. See, change, change for the good will not come by suppressing the truth of God's word. But change will come for the good when we open our hearts to the word of God. And we know what it says, but when we'll give it the freedom to come into our lives and say, Lord, I need to be changed from this. Whatever it might be, yours might be anger as well. But, but what are we doing for that? How, how often are we going to go to the Word of God for that? we got a whole um, you know, news media or social media out there to tell you that you're crazy for trusting in the Lord. But what are you going to do? Are you going to listen to them or are you going to listen to the Word of God? See, it must first be that we receive the Word of God and that we accept it and we welcome it saying, God, change me. God, change me. I mean, you know, this is, you know where the fastest growing church in the world is right now? The fastest growing church in the world does not have a sanctuary, does not have a sound booth, does not have guitars, does not have cool voices or, you know, apps, bulletins. It has none of that stuff. It has no bylaws, none of that stuff. But what they're doing is they're coming to Jesus in groves because of the truth. You know where it's at? It's in Iran. People in Iran, and and check this out, it's being led by women. Because they have been lied to over the years, like the Thessalonians with with the pagan worship, like you and I with our whatever we did BC. They They are being told the truth, and the truth is setting them free. And you know what? There, there's, I'll tell you, they, they, they're coming to Christ. And listen, you want to know the change that's so incredible in their lives? Listen, we're talking about Iranians. Is that they're becoming pro-Israel. That's incredible, is it not? That's change. When you look at the Word of God going out into these people, you're seeing change. You're thinking, what am I hanging up on? What's my hang up? You know, you got an issue with somebody or somebody, you know, you know, it's like, wait, let the word of God get into your heart and let it bring change. I'm seeing change. I'm reading these articles. Matter of fact, if you do go on YouTube and search the uh, fastest growing church in the world, it'll probably pull that one up. It's about an hour, over an hour long. Watch it. Incredible. But we can either have this biblical worldview or humanistic worldview. We come to faith in Christ. I was jacked up. I had a humanistic worldview. I had a personal worldview. I had a messed up worldview. But then insert the word of God and you have now a biblical worldview and you see things a little differently. And so it amazes me how many in the church even today will refuse to be changed by the word of God. The same old, same old. They keep doing the same things. But they want to be saved. They want to go to heaven. But when trouble time hits, they run far from the counsel of God's word. Listen, God knows our troubles and he wants to help us through them. And there's a danger of not receiving God's word the way for what he said it to be. And, and you know, we have to be careful when we, do, when we don't receive it the way it should be received. Because then we become the authority. We start saying, no, I'll take a little bit of Thessalonians, but not that much. I'll take just a couple things of Philippians. I like that. Oh, John, yep, I, Christ loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. I love that. But you know what? There are times where God says, you know what? I'm done with this. I see things that I want to change. And here's the word I'm telling you what you need to do. Now, maybe some of you are being spoken to that you need to allow God's word to change you. You have been going through the same things, the same, you know, whatever it might be, fill in the blank. And you've been rejecting the word of God to do the change in your life. Well, how do you expect change to come? It's going to come by the word of God. 
in your life. We have nothing other than to give you on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies. Your children over there are learning about Jesus. They're not learning the top ten, top ten stories. They're learning about Jesus Christ. They're learning how to build a relationship with Him because they're going to need that as they grow. Listen, if we're not going to receive the Word, the truth, uh, and we're not allowing it to welt, we're not welcoming it into our lives to change us, and we're what, what, what hope are we going to share for our unsafe family and friends? They need to see a change. They knew that I was changed. They knew I was saved, but now the change had come. Look at verse 14, because I mean, the persecution was, was rich for these guys. It was hard on them. Paul said, For you, brethren, became imitators of the church of God, which are in Judea and Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen. So they suffered these things that were close to them. Uh, by people that were close to them, just as they did from the Judeans, and uh, who killed both Jesus Christ uh, and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they did not please God, uh, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us, they didn't even allow Paul to speak, to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as, so as always uh, to fill up the measure of sin, but, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. I find it interesting that those who need Jesus the most won't allow the, uh, the word to go forth. They'll, they'll, they'll call you a hater. They'll call you whatever they want. And somebody, this little quote, <laughs> I think it sounds so true, it is, is, truth sounds like hate to those who hate truth. You know, and it's so true. Every one of us before Christ walked around. Again, we had that God-shaped hole in our lives. We had, we were empty. And we try to fill it with whatever it was, drugs, alcohol, careers, whatever it might be, fame. But once you receive Christ, we can give a shout out to God for the change that He's bringing to our lives. But it's only as we begin to allow the Word of God to come into us and not only save us, but change us. So we have this thing, changing. The Thessalonian church welcomed the Word of God and they were able to overcome. The second thing uh, to point out here is they properly identified the enemy as well. Look at verse 17, because Paul had this longing to spend time with them. He had this longing to have great fellowship with them. And, and to identify the enemy was important. I think for you and I, it's always important to identify the enemy. In verse 17, he says, But we, brethren, have been taken away from you for a short time, not in heart, our hearts are still with you, endeavoring more eagerly to see you face to face. In Acts chapter 17 we kind of remind ourselves what took place in Thessalonica, uh, in Thessalonica. And we can gain just a little bit of understanding of what was taking place. Remember, there's an uproar in the city. Paul and Silas were led out by night. And so Paul was telling them, he's saying, we were taken away from you, no doubt about it. And taken away has this thing, that kind of this uh, connotation of mean that you were orphaned. You know, we almost left you as an orphan. Um, it's used nowhere else but here in the, in the New Testament. But what he's saying is that, man, we left you and we have this special bond with you. We loved you. We loved the fellowship. And there was a tight-knit thing about them. It was koinonia. It was this fellowship. It was, it was awesome. And so he used this word brethren some 21 times in these two epistles. Brethren. I love it. Brethren. My brothers were really my brothers, but they were never really as close to me until we came to Christ. Oh, man, I'm just like, my bros. I call him. How you doing, man? I haven't heard from you in a day or two. How you doing, bro? Just have that relationship. In seven, verse 17, Paul says that, you know, we endeavor more eagerly to see you face to face. That eagerly means that he has this 
desire to be with them, desire to fellowship. Look at all of us come from the same road in the sense of we were all lost, but now we're found. Hopefully that's everybody in here. We're all lost. We came from the same road. And in spite of the personal dangers that were in Thessalonica, there was a longing that he had to be with them, to be amongst them, to be in fellowship. It was the very thing that, that, was, that Satan was keeping Paul from, was from fellowship. And he knew that it was Satan. He knew it was him. So he comes and he identifies the attacker. And look at what he says in verse 18. He says, therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan had hindered us. You see, we ought to know who really is hindering us from fellowship. Paul here says that it was Satan. There's no doubt about it. It's Satan. He knows that it is Satan. He goes, Satan will always try and keep you from things that are good. In Romans chapter 1, verse 13, Paul said, uh, he said, Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned coming to you, but I was, but was hindered until now. I mean, there's no doubt that Satan has this time where he'll step up and keep us from fellowship. That's what he wants to do. I have a problem sometimes getting here on a Sunday morning because the enemy wants to stop me from being here. But let's, let's see why Paul is so adamant about that, knowing that it's, you know, coming from Satan. Because Christians, I think, we're always dropping the God card, or the Satan card, you know, like, oh, the devil made me do it. It's that Flip Wilson, for some of you, that gray hair, you remember that. Or no hair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you remember that, you know, uh, and it was like, oh, the devil made me do it. Oh, the devil made you do it. You know what? We don't need the devil a lot of times to keep us out of fellowship, do we? I mean, look at what's happening in the world today. I was talking to a, a pastor friend of mine. I was saying, you know, I say, bro, how's it going? He goes, man, it's great. I think every, everything looks good. Everything is wonderful. And he says, but one of the things that we have in our midweek study is so interesting is that numbers have depleted. They don't do home groups. They have a midweek study. We have a midweek study. And you think about that. Well, it's dark. Well, it's the kids are in bed. Well, it's this. Well, it's that. And I'm, I'm just saying. You know, sometimes, oh, it's the devil, man, he doesn't want me to be, look, there's going to be a true force that the devil doesn't want you to be in fellowship. And you recognize that. You recognize this. Paul would say, hey, it's really the devil. But is it really the devil that keeps us away from fellowship? You see, why is it important for Satan to attack in this area? In verse 19, Paul points this out. He says, for what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are glory and joy. Our glory and joy. So what Paul is saying is, listen, it is so neat because when we fellowship together that we get to pour into one another. And at one time, there's going to be, uh, when we get to this point, there's going to be a hope that reminds us of the grace that is poured out in one another's lives. When we look at one another, I look at you guys like, oh, there's a lot of grace out there. There's a lot of God's grace. But I can't point the finger too far because I know in my own life there's a lot of grace, right? And as we gather together, look at this. This is like a, a big room in here. And we go, boy, there's a lot of grace being poured out. And it reminds us of that. We're not perfect, right? And then we're not going to find the perfect church. As a matter of fact, if that's what you're looking for, don't join it. Because if you ever find it, you'll ruin it. Right? It's the way it is. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect pastor. There's no perfect, you know, leadership. What we're trying to do is just stick to the code. Stick to Jesus Christ. And at the end, when we see our hope, our joy, and our crown, what Paul says is when we get together, it's going to be so awesome to be in the presence of our Lord for all eternity. 
And we let things get in our mind, get in our way, keep us from fellowship. We, we uh, cease, uh, we, we don't allow the, the Word of God to get in our hearts. And what do we have? We still walk in a world that's not going to change any better to make it more palatable for us, more easy for us. But we have these things that do we neglect them? And do we have them? Do we want to walk in them? See, hope, Paul says. Joy, Paul says. All these things are so rich, they're so important. The hope that we live in. We grow into maturity and we watch children. I'm, I'm now at the age to where, yikes, uh, I'm marrying the kids that were in the church. I'm watching, I'm dedicating their children, you know, to the Lord. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you know, well, this is getting crazy, I'm getting old. But we're seeing these things. We're seeing the joy of the Lord. Look at our Sunday school classes. And when you get to come together and we fellowship and we serve the Lord and we serve in these other areas, it is so awesome to see our high school running the coffee shop. And so I, it's so wonderful to see our young people serving on the fifth you know, Sunday of the month. They come in here and they serve. It's so awesome to see that. But just think, when we get to heaven, what hope that we have. And that hope that is greater than all the trouble that is out there in the world. The hope that we have that spend eternity, look at, look at, we get to spend all eternity with the Lord. All eternity. And there's joy. Paul said, you guys fill my heart with joy. You're the sunshine in my life. It might be cloudy outside, but I, I have such joy, such sunshine in my life. And you know what? He thought of the way they used to be and who they are now. And Paul says, that brings me much joy. And listen, when I get together with you guys, I love it because I look out there and say, wow, God, I'm so thankful you didn't leave them the way they were. And I know you say the same of me, right? It's like, and what joy we have because then when our hands go together, what a good, good father. We sing the song, we're all in unison. It's all about him. What a good, good father he is because he's given us the way of eternal life. What joy that brings. We can be poured out so much in the world, but we can't take none of the world with us. But when we come together and we pour into one another and we are going to have the presence of God for always and forever. So let me just ask this, listen. Is it really an attack? Because there are times when we need to properly identify who, the, the, who is stopping us from doing what. And we got to grow in that in the Word of God. Remember when Paul was going up to Bithynia, up north in the book of Acts? And he didn't get up there and say, you know what, we're going to go up to the Bithynia, here's our plans. But what he did was he said, oh man, we're being stuck. And he says, it was the Holy Spirit that is redirecting us. See, he didn't say, well, this is what we got to do. Look, we're adamant about this. We got to have it this way. No, he went there and said, you know what? Well, my guys, lives are being changed here. You know, churches are being started. People are coming to Jesus. But the Holy Spirit stopped him. I can imagine. What do you think of Paul was to say, I rebuke you because he's thinking it's the devil that has stopped him. But it, it wasn't the devil. It was the Lord. And the Lord redirected him over to the west to Macedonia to where he meets Dr. Luke. And he, uh, you know, gets his vision and, and, and the gospel goes into Asia. Incredible things that are taking place. See, if we don't properly identify the enemy, we might start rebuking the Lord. See, we got to be careful in that. And, and what we may need to do, like Paul, and a lot of times just, we're re being redirected. And Paul's not, you know, taking offense to that. He's just saying, okay, I've come to this place and God didn't want me there. He wanted me over here and that's what I'm going to do with it. God may not want you in the situation that you're in, but open your heart to him and let the word of God change you. See, when Satan does attack, it is to keep us from the good that comes with gathering together. Listen, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the breaking of bread, the apostles' doctrine, the prayer, and fellowship. Those are the things that are so important. 
Those are the things that staples. When 3,000 people were added to the church, what did they do? Well, let's come up with a new plan. If we got three, maybe we can get six. They didn't do that. They said the 3,000 were added to the church. God was multiplying the church as He saw fit. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. They continued in it. House to house. They just continued. We're going to make this a mainstay. You see, is it really an attack that keeps us from being in constant fellowship? Is it really an attack? Or is it our flesh? I think the church today has to be careful that we're not giving in to and more credit to the devil than what you know we, we think that he's doing. Oh, the devil's keeping me out. Is it the devil or is it our flesh? Is it the devil that keeps us from changing or is it our flesh not opening our hearts to the Word of God? See, we want to be saved. We want, we want to be justified. We love that. See, there's two processes, right? We come, we're justified. We love justification, right? I mean, imagine you go to the judge, you're guilty of sin, and you go to the judge and you stand before him, he goes, um, innocent. I'm like, yes! Right? <laughs> Just be honest. We love being justified. That's what, Jesus, that's what Jesus has done through the cross. We are justified just as if we've never sinned. Amazing. But then once we come to faith in Christ, then we have the sanctification process. Ugh. What's that? That's the part where we God's Word by the power of the Holy Spirit works in us and He wants to change us from whence we came. And we come into that situation. I don't like this too much. Get over it. It's all for the better. I'll guarantee it. You like clean underwear? Okay? You're going to want a clean body. You're going to want a clean mind. You're going to want these things. You're going to want that change, right? You're going to want to see this change comes up. See, and that's what God does. The Word of God, uh, it brings necessary change to our lives as He desires, as He sees in us. See, the power of the Holy Spirit, He brings that into our lives. And He says, you know what? Accompanied by the Word of God, you can't be the man, you can't be the woman, I can't be the husband, I can't be the, the wife, I can't be the grand grandfather, the pastor, any of that, if he can't bring change to my life that he wants to bring. Are we quenching the Holy Spirit? Are we wearing dirty garments? Lastly, listen, here's the hope. When we fall in love with Jesus, more in love with Jesus, more in love with His Word, Falling in love with fellowship will follow. Fellow, uh, falling in love with fellowship of the saints will follow. And so too will our unsaved family and friends be attracted to the hope that lies before them. When you and I, we are the greatest evangelists. You guys are the greatest evangelists in this world. Because when you allow God's word to change you, people are saying, man, what's up with that? I knew them before Jesus. I knew how they were. And there is no explaining it. Ah, but then you come in and say, enter Christ Jesus. <laughs> he saved me. He's changing me. And though I struggle, though I'm not perfect, I'm allowing His Word by the power of the Holy Spirit to have free will in my life. How do you overcome? How do you overcome? God... Place your word in the bowels of my heart that it might change me, that it might cleanse me. How's a young man say clean? Giving heed to the word of God. That has the power to change. By the power of the Holy Spirit, His word has the power to change. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. 
We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time, and remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.